Welcome to the Sports Finder Podcast. Let's get ready to rumble! Sports Finder community, we're back with our regular segment where we speak to great people from the world of sport. And today it is no different. I have Mr. Jason Kayla from Orange Coast College. Jason, welcome to the show, buddy. How are you? How's things? Things are good. Thanks for having me today. Um, just uh, trying to trying to sort things out, get our student athletes, you know, keep them moving forward in class and ready to go if we get to compete anytime soon. Absolutely. And there's never been a tougher time to to do such a uh, what what is regarded a very normal task. <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, Jason, before we get into, you know, what, what you do day to day and, and so on, take me back in time. Who were you as a young man at school? I, in school, I, I, um, I had a little bit of a different career tra- trajectory. I was actually in school to go for uh, sports journalism. Uh, I, was, I was hoping to do some sports journalism. And um, back in high school, I wrote for the school newspaper and was the sports editor the, and ended up being the editor-in-chief. And then when I got to Cal State Fullerton, where I did my undergrad, um, I wrote for the Daily Titan. And um, eventually, uh, towards the end of my four years of, of working on my degree, I, I started to, to kind of think that that wasn't really the route for me. And during an internship with a, with a local newspaper, I met the sports information directors at uh, Azusa Pacific University in Cal Poly Pomona. And I thought, wow, that's sports information sounds pretty neat, you know, doing more PR just for one set of teams rather than a whole region of teams. And that's what got me into California Community College. Um, I I took an internship with uh, Santa Ana College in their sports information department. And uh, as luck would have it, the, uh, the sports information director at the time took a different job in the district. And uh, before I knew it, I was named the interim sports information director. And I ultimately applied for the job and got hired full time. And uh, I did that for 10 years. And in the process, I got more interested in athletic administration. And that's how I eventually got into being an athletic director. Um, but it, yeah, it all started with journalism and just having an interest in sports and writing about sports and, and that opened the door and I just kind of kept going from there. Um, what sport did, did you play growing up? So I, uh, I had a, a really famous failed season of baseball as a kid. Um, and eventually by the time I hit high school, um, I was a little taller than everybody. So the basketball coach got a hold of me and uh, but I was playing football was my interest. And so um, I played football and, uh, and eventually started playing basketball and ended up being a little better at basketball than I was at football. And I played that through high school. Um, but I was, you know, I don't know that I would have even been good enough to be considered to go on from there, but I hadn't even thought about it either. I was just at the time still thinking about journalism. Um, but those were my two, my two main sports that I played. Wow. 
Um, what college did you attend? Talk to me about that, that whole journey and how you got into the college you did and, you know, what was life like post-college? Yeah, so I went to Cal State Fullerton. And uh, the reason why I went to Cal State Fullerton uh, was for journalism. You know, I, I remember going to a journalism academy and uh, there was like a roundtable discussion and someone at the table said, you know, if you're, you're serious about journalism, you go to USC. But if you can't afford USC, you go to Cal State Fullerton. And uh, so I was like, okay, that's 20 minutes from my house. That makes a lot of sense. And so, I, so that's how I ended up at Cal State Fullerton. Um, and then life after, I, I, I ended up at Santa Ana College shortly after graduating through the internship and uh, just went right into working full time uh, in community college athletics. And that's really, that 15 years later, that's still, you know, what I'm doing day in and day out and loving every moment of it. Amazing. Um, I mean, one of my questions is basically, if NIL was an option in, in your time, uh, how, how, how would you have monetized? Let's say you were in, you were in a situation as, a, as an athlete, right? And you had the option to monetize on your NIL. How, how would Jason Kaler sit down and strategize a plan to monetize his NIL? Because this is going to be happening very soon. And there's a lot of talk and guidance coming from everywhere. But I think there's no better guidance than the people who've been in this industry their whole life. And they've seen transitions and changes of the industry evolving and developing over time. That's a great question. And it's, it's a hard one to answer because while I, I still like to think it wasn't that long ago. Um, so much has changed in terms of NIL, which has made it such a, you know, a forefront topic and really that's social media. And, um, you know, I, I didn't have a Facebook account until after I got out of college and, um, and I didn't even know what it was until after I got out of college. I think, you know, MySpace was still the, the, the social media platform of choice at the time. And so, you know, at, at that point, I mean, I, I think it's still traditional, it would still be traditional advertising at that point, you know, trying to become the, the face of a product, you, you know, you're back to your, to, you know, Jordan with Gatorade and Nike and stuff like that. I, I that, that's hard because I think so much of marketing oneself today um, is geared around social media and Instagram and Snapchat and TikTok and that, that, in, you know, the influence side of, of everything. So, you know, it's, it, it's, it's progressed so much because of the media that it progressed with, I think. Absolutely. Um, what's your biggest advice to students uh, looking to monetize on their NIL? Like basically everybody's going to be telling them how to monetize, but what should they watch out for? Like what, what are the no-nos? You know, I, I've sat in on a couple of the NIL uh, discussions that the 3C2A is leading right now. And one of the things they talked about, you know, was just bad deals and bad contracts. And um, I think that's, you know, making sure that, that they're not getting themselves into, you know, into a contract that could negatively affect them. But, but then also being aware of, you know, if, if it's a brand or being, you know, being an influencer for a brand, thinking about the long-term, um, the long-term view or, or impact that can have. You know, one of the things that I talk to our student athletes a lot about, I've been doing this, this talk for probably 10 years now, is um, 
you know, being aware of when you put something on social media, it, it doesn't belong to you anymore. And so how is that going to look in 10, 15, 20 years? You know, it's, it, once it's out there, it's out there and you're, you're not getting back. And so that would, I think, be the biggest advice is, is uh, be aware of, of, of what you're representing, you know, what, you know, if it's a brand that you're representing and, and, you know, what, what that might look like to you later on down in, in life when maybe you're trying to get a job or, or, you know, you're starting your family, not to say that anybody's going out and representing anything super negative, but, but, you know, something like that, um, you know, things, like I said, something you put on the internet, it doesn't belong to you once it's out there. It's, it's, it's definitely one of those things where um, people nowadays are uh, basically sharing their whole lives on the, on the internet without the thought process or the consideration that a lot of it can, can, can come back to haunt them professionally, their family makes them vulnerable. That's, this is a lot what people are missing out on. And it's re it's really, really sad to see. Um, moving on to our next point. Do you believe that? I mean, so let's say, let's, let's talk about, the whole monetization process of students, uh, student athletes, sorry, and their and their and their nil. Like, out, out, out of the six hundred thousand plus students that student athletes that compete in uh, in the college sporting realm, like only a small percentage would be really basically able to really monetize on their social followings. I mean, then what happens to the other 90% or 95%? Because to me, if you look down now the list, you'll be lucky to get 5,000 students that have a decent enough following to actually monetize. So are we building, uh, are we changing all these rules and legislations to help 5,000 students or like where, where's this going? Yeah, that's a good question. And, and, you know, going back to some of those meetings I sat in on, uh, there was a report given as to like California community college athletes specifically and what, what it could look like for them. And it was interesting because the, the range was something like, you know, on Twitter, on the low end, 1000 a year to 40,000 a year, 50,000 a year. And I'm thinking, man, someone at the California community college, you know, has the, the reach to, to, to garner $50,000 annual income from social media. They did say that a lot of that, a lot of that was uh, due to Laney College with uh, with Net Netflix's Last Chance U. So there were a handful yeah. of athletes that were a little more elevated. Jump aim, yeah. Yeah, but uh, I think to answer your question though, I mean, you know, e even on that low end of, you know, if someone, if a student's able to find a way to turn it into a thousand to $5,000, I mean, that could, that, that could make a, a significant impact for a student athlete who, you know, that's the reality of it. They're, they're in school full time, uh, California community college athletes, they have to work most, most of them, you know? And, uh, so there's really limited time, you know, maybe this gives them an opportunity to not have to work, um, you know, at a, you know, at a, at a local fast food restaurant or something and, and have a little more time to focus on their studies and, and on their athletics. So, um, you know, it's, to me, it's one of those things where, so much of our rules are geared around the concept of if it's available to the general student population on your campus, then it should be available to the student athlete. And I think that's where this falls into it. It's, it's really no different to me. And so 
you know, I can see, I, I get your point. It makes sense. You know, it's, the, there's a handful that are, that are standing to potentially make a really good profit, profit off of it. But, you know, for the rest, if they can make a little bit extra, uh, you know, that's, that just helps them that much more. And if they're intelligent enough, they can build their own brands based on the sport they play and really grow that. Awesome. Do you, do you think this also adds a few more years to their student athlete journey post college? Because now they've, they've built this following du- during college, they can pay, basically take the following with them and then transition into that, per- that wise guy who's been through the process that can help you get through the process. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I think that's, and that, I think that's what a lot of it is, at least on our level. I don't, not to say that no one's going to be able to, to build a brand off of being a community college athlete, but I think a lot of them realistically are making their brand, their brand for a different reason. And so, you know, if I always talk about that's the beauty of community college athletes, you know, some of them are, are D1 talent that need to improve their academics. Some of them are really good students that need to get a little better athletically. And some of them are just looking to play for a couple, couple more years at a competitive level. We have such a wide range of athletes. And so if that's an opportunity that for them to build a brand while they're doing, you know, they're playing a sport they love, and then they're able to maintain that after the fact, then I, I see that as a positive for them. Absolutely. Um, Jason, you've been amazing. You've answered a ton of questions for me. Um, thank you very much. And last but not least, the last question that I really want to, want to, want to ask you is, what's the most impactful book that you've read that you would recommend to our, to our audience? Oh, wow. That's a, that's a good question. Impactful book. That's really uh, changed your life in, in some way, shape or form. Oh man, this is one of those questions that you really should have off the top of your head. And the moment we get done, I'm going to think of like five books that I, <laughs> I could think of right now. Um, you know, we, in our athletics department, our kinesiology department, we read a lot of leadership books and, um, and I can't think of the title of the one right now off the top of my head um, that, that we just read it, but it, it might be called like leadership under fire something but it it taught it it uh has different chapters about uh different presidents you know abraham lincoln um theodore roosevelt and and how they led the country through times of turmoil and um the uh the dean of our department he was the one who who recommended it to me and we read a couple chapters together fittingly it was i want to say we read we read that in 2019 and then we found ourselves in 2020 you know, starting off, we lost Coach Alto and then the pandemic hit. And it, it really was a, a year of turmoil. And we had just got done having these really good, insightful conversations about leadership under fire and leadership in crisis. And, um, and so that one, that's the one that popped in my mind. I just, I just unfortunately can't think of the title right now. That's all right. I mean, we, we can find it later and just put it in the actual show notes and people can then access it. Jason, thank you very much. You've been amazing. Um, Thank you for the book recommendation, the NIL insights. And once again, uh, keep doing doing the great work that you guys are doing, looking after all these athletes. And thank you very much for joining me on the Sports Finder podcast. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Sports Finder podcast. We'll catch you on our next episode. Y'all ready for this?